Good morning, podcast. Welcome to Pierre Lambert Show. I am Pierre, your host, and today I've got special guest Ryan Wilkes. Ryan is a videographer based in New Zealand, but he's not just a videographer, he's also pursuing a PhD in biomaterials. And that's why I think this episode is going to be very interesting because we'll be talking about how someone goes from being in oil and gas to biomaterial PhDs to videography. So we'll be obviously talking about how he landed his first gigs, how much he's getting paid, what kind of editing software he's recommending for people to start with and which one he started with, what kind of gear he is using currently, our APSC dead, and a bunch of other really awesome topics that I think you guys will love. So whether you're into videography or not, it won't matter because what you will learn will be applicable for photography or video or any kind of art. So with no further ado, let's get right into it. Good morning, Ryan. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Really good, man. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So Ryan, tell me a little bit, where are you right now? I am specifically in my lab in Christchurch, New Zealand at the university. <laughs> Oh, wow. And you, it sounds so epic, like the guy is in the lab in, in the middle of New Zealand. <laughs> Are you doing experiments on sheep or something like that? Um, maybe eventually, but right now we're just kind of doing, uh, I guess you could say, like, petri dish experiments before we get to, you know, that kind of stage where we're looking at <laughs> an animal study, but we're getting there. Got it. Got it. All right, Ryan, why don't you give us a little feedback, oh, sorry, story on who you are, what you're doing, how did you end up in New Zealand and all that, and how are you linked to the videography and YouTube world also? Okay, yeah. Um, so, yeah, originally I'm from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and yeah, pretty much grew up there my whole life, went to university just up the road in Edmonton, um, and then I after getting my degree in engineering, um, I worked in the oil and gas industry for a couple of years and decided pretty quickly that that wasn't the kind of life that I wanted to live. So I started to look for um, other opportunities and um, I thought a PhD would be, would be kind of a cool way to go deeper into something I was really interested in. And so I started looking all over the world for PhDs related to um, biomaterials, uh, specifically for orthopedics or like artificial uh, tissues and that kind of stuff. And I happened to find this one down here at the bottom of the earth in Christchurch, New Zealand. And so um, <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. I like had my interview the day I got back from five weeks in Southeast Asia uh, with my with my now supervisor. And, um, you know, I was pretty, pretty dusty that day, but <laughs> somehow somehow I, I imagine to, yeah somehow I managed to pull it out and uh, yeah and now I've been here for over three years now kind of coming to the end of my PhD and while I was down here um, within the first few months I started exploring and I'm like wow this place is absolutely gorgeous and at the time I just had my GoPro Hero 4 the gateway mm -hmm. drug uh, for most of the game <laughs> and, um, yes it, it totally is isn't it <laughs> It totally is. I mean, the, the GoPro is, I think, where everyone starts at one point in life. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it totally is. And so it was for me. And so I just started making these little tiny videos to show my family back home, basically being like, yeah, New Zealand's amazing. Like, this is what I've been getting up to. Um, then just started putting a couple of my adventures on YouTube. And 
just went from there. And so it's been the first vlog I uploaded was January 1st, 2016. So um, it's coming up on three years in a bit now. Oh, wow. I, so yeah. so g guys who are listening, I just want to give you a little, sorry for cutting you no, off. Just want to leave you a little context because so Ryan kind of started YouTube on a little before maybe me or same time. I think we're both experimenting and didn't really know what we're doing. But what's interesting with this story is that he moved in a totally different direction with, in terms of videography, which you will see is totally different direction than I did actually, and really went towards the business side of things with your videography. So I think what is going to be super interesting for everyone listening is kind of how did you went from your like a quick and easy GoPro shots to actually professional and getting paid by some of the biggest events here in New Zealand. I mean, they are in New Zealand. And uh, also what inspired you to actually start YouTube, but mainly what inspired you to push forward into the, the business creative world. Can you, can you share that with us? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So kind of the first year that I was on YouTube was just experimenting like it is for most of us just kind of getting our feet wet like seeing what's going to work just trying to figure out how how that world works um now with my phd i am on a scholarship so i do get paid by the university but it's not a lot of money and so i wanted to be able to make some extra cash somehow um to nice. be able to go around more and travel more and you know go see more just so i could create more for youtube as well and mm -hmm. so um I basically, after about a year of, you know, trying stuff with YouTube, I was like, okay, I'm going to try and go, I'm going to try and go to get some freelance work. But obviously, you know, without any real portfolio um, other than my YouTube stuff, it was pretty hard to get work. So the first gig that I ended up taking, I only had my GoPro, <laughs> my Phantom 4, and I borrowed my girlfriend Jillian's like Canon point and shoot. Like, no way. That is so actually. funny. What kind of gig was it? Festival. It was a music festival here in New Zealand. Um, yeah. And so that video that I made for them, uh, yeah. they actually didn't end up using, but I was able to take that video and pitch, use it to pitch to another client. And that client was another big music festival in Christchurch. And they ended up saying yes. And that was my first ever paid gig. And so that was January oh. 17 yeah that is awesome and does it i mean are there a lot of music festivals or over there there's actually yeah like the uh, not really a famous one they're pretty local like new zealand's a really kind of um secluded place and so um a lot of the music scene here is really good though like there's a lot of really good local artists um and there's especially in the summer it seems like there's a music festival every week for the whole summer um <laughs> that's awesome really good it's good yeah. for you yeah, super good for me. Yeah. <laughs> so basically the two things that I like to shoot the most are um, tourism stuff. So I'm going around shooting for tourism operators. So like last week I was up north shooting for a kayak company and a sea shuttle company and then also music. So those are kind of my two passions. Yeah. So for those who are listening, uh, I have questions from you guys that you dropped on Instagram, but I want to maybe ask a few more questions before we dive into yours. Um, tell me, Ryan, I want to know how does it work when you're creating those videos for other people? Is it your creative direction or are they just telling you, 
we want a time lapse of that. We want exactly that. Or are they telling you like, Larry, we just want to showcase the beauty of that slope in, uh, on that mountain. How does it work? Right. So I would say about 90% of the time, um, I have almost full creative control. Um, you know, I ask them how long, awesome. they want, how long they want the video to be, what their budget is. Um, and then I kind of start to craft it from there based on, um, you know, what they, what they have to, um, how much money they have basically. So, yeah. um, which dictates how much time I can put into it. And so, yeah, I'm given a lot of creative control. And I think that that's one reason that clients have started to trust me and come to me is because, um, I've got a pretty good handle on, um, figuring out what their vision is without them having to really give me a shot list. Got it. That makes sense. That's interesting. So I think uh, while we're talking about the clients and stuff, the, um, we have Brian Ortega on Instagram who is asking, yes. how can you talk about pricing? How did you price your first gig? How did you decide to price after? And, and how, is, how do you structure pricing for video? Because obviously you can't, it's not per photo. So how, how, is it, how does it work? Yeah, this is, this is such a tricky topic. Um, so as I said, my very first gig was actually unpaid. Um, yeah. But I did get, you know, free festival tickets, which was cool. And it was kind of a no strings attached thing. They're like, you know, we have some other videographers coming down who are paying, but hey, we'll give you a backstage pass and you can come make something and give it to us and maybe we'll use it and maybe we won't. So, you know, I felt it was a fair trade. There was no pressure really yeah. um, no pressure on me. So I just got to go there, be creative, create and, um, and make a cool video. Uh, and I was, as I said earlier, I was able to use that video to pitch to the first client that ended up paying me. And when I went to pitch that client, I really, you know, I'd never been paid for a job before. So it was like taking a total stab in the dark. Oh, wow. Uh, it's, it's your first one. That's, that, first it's getting one. exciting, guys. It's nerve wracking. You're just like, oh, my God, like they actually want to pay me. Like, how much should I charge? And so I, you know, I just picked a pretty round number. I said, OK, a thousand dollars. It's going to be a day of shooting. And they want like, you know, a 90 second like after movie from it. I think that sounds reasonable. Um, and so they accepted it and, you know, now they're a recurring client. Like I'm going to be shooting it for them the third time, uh, this coming year. And actually my price has almost doubled since then. And they're okay with that because they realize and they respect that, like my gear has been upgraded. I've been upgraded. Like I've gotten so much. <laughs> Ryan you know, 2.0. <laughs> and so, um, they understand that and they like the work that I produce and they see that it's getting better and better each year. So, um, I think that's something too, like you have to not be afraid to, um, charge what you're worth and you're going to be worth more as long as you keep improving. Can, can you share figures just for people to have an idea? I mean, it's New Zealand, so obviously it, it won't apply maybe everywhere, but what, what, what was your first gig like? What was the second one? And, and like a year later, where are you at on average? And also, how do you price it? Okay. So, um, so yeah, just, I guess we're just talking about that first, that music festival. The first year I charged $1,000. This is New Zealand dollars guys. Um, the second year I charged 1500. And so this year we'll probably be closer to 18 or 1900. Um, so that's for like a full day of shooting and a mm -hmm. few shorter videos, like maybe one 60 second video, two 30 second videos and like two 15 second videos. Um, so 
but now for for new clients and so that's like an old client so they kind of have this we have this kind of grandfather agreement yeah. kind of thing right where i'm kind of giving them a bit of a deal um yeah so for instance if i'm just shooting so some people will hire me just to come shoot so like my day rate for just shooting is like 750 new zealand dollars mm -hmm. i guess that's about 500 us um if i'm going to do you know some of my most popular things are just to come out and make a 30 second promo for someone or come out and make a 60 second promo for someone. So mm -hmm. it's pretty straightforward. If I'm going to do a 30 second promo, I include four hours of shooting and that's typically around $700, 750. And then for a 60 second one, I include again, for up to four hours of shooting. Um, and that's usually around 1200 1300 um so it just depends on you know if they need multiple locations we'll add a little bit more money do they want a drone but yeah those are kind of um ballpark figures yeah, you, you can have add-ons uh added after so that, that's very that's good i think that's a good way to price it it's like okay that's a basic if you want add-ons or specials or whatever and yeah. in terms of um like do you time yourself and you know how much time it takes you to edit a 60 second video and then you're like okay i charge x per hour or or do you just or are you at the or are you just you know that in your head you need to charge this amount for 60 seconds doesn't matter how long it takes yeah so now um based on like my talks with the client before i even start the video i can kind of figure out what kind of edit they're after and you know again most of the clients are after just super simple edits and we're not looking at any crazy transitions or some cold <laughs> yeah like we're not doing luma phase or anything like that so um i typically know how long the video is going to take me to edit and i've got a pretty good process down now where i can where i'm much more efficient um yeah when it comes to editing so i basically charge for the project um not not by the hour Oh, got it. That makes kind sense. Of, yeah, and it's also kind of a bit more incentive for me to be more efficient as well, which is great. Yeah, it's good because yeah, then you just get it done as quickly as possible, and then you're you're good. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So I just want to touch back on something you said earlier. Your first meeting where you were gonna get paid. Do you remember how it felt and and what you were thinking in your mind? <laughs> um, basically like i'm sure most people think it's like wow i can't believe that someone is going to pay me for something that like i would probably do for free <laughs> <laughs> that, that is so that is the most hilarious comment ever yeah that's so true that's just so good yeah it is I, I i do remember the first time i got paid and it was on a volunteering paid basis kind of i don't know how you call that but it okay. was basically i shot friends of friends and i'm like look i'm gonna shoot you for free but if you like the pictures you can give me whatever you want and so <laughs> they, they paid me which was very little compared to what normal people would get paid but i was so excited i'm like oh my god i shot them for free and they liked it so much that they gave me i think it was 80 euros which was yeah. i mean nothing for for it's nothing i mean well, it was like two hours or three hour shoot, which I would charge like four months down the line, I would charge like 500 euros or more for that. But right. at the time I remember I was so happy and excited. Uh, I was like, oh my God, people actually paid me for something I created. 
Yeah, and that's awesome. I really hope anyone listening gets that feeling one day, or maybe you already had it, or you sold something like you you and you created something and you sell it. It's such a cool feeling, in my opinion. Yeah, it, there's nothing better. Yeah, it's addicting too. That's for sure. I, I think the feeling is super addictive, and also it's super rewarding at the same time. And that's why I encourage people to just do things and see if the market wants it at one point or another, because it, it's just also a little bit of validation towards other people. If you're trying to prove something to someone, if you're not, and you're just happy with your art, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Now I want to know why we're talking about pricing. Why did you, it's not why it's, what was your thoughts behind YouTube, did you think I'm going to make it as a YouTuber and make money? Or did you quickly realize it's not going to happen? Let's make money as a videographer. Or how did both work together at, at the beginning and then after? Yeah, so I mean, at the beginning, YouTube, well, YouTube has kind of always just been my test tube in a way. It's like, okay, there's like this new thing I want to try. Let's see kind of what the feedback is um, from the community and what people think of it and um yeah so youtube has kind of just always been there and um i don't want people to think like i'm not doing youtube anymore like i'm you know i, I plan <laughs> to always do youtube because i love it and um you know certain kind of video that i like to make that i'm not able to like sell as a product yet at this point to you know tourism boards or whatever so like i still want to make those videos for youtube but um there was never a time where I was kind of like, ah, oh, like I want to, like I need to make money from this and YouTube isn't giving me money. It was kind of like, um, I just wanted to, I just wanted to push myself in, in a different way and like have a pressure from, um, from another kind of place other than just like, because with YouTube, I feel like it's a lot of internal pressure. You're kind of like putting pressure on yourself yes. to to produce the content um but with a client like it all of a sudden becomes like a bit different when you have both sides you have you know the pressure from the client and a little bit from you as well so yeah absolutely absolutely I totally agree because the moment they there is a check at the end and people are waiting for you you're like oh i've got to be real pro exactly here. yeah and so yeah you're still gonna do youtube and all that so Back to um, videography and I guess photography in parallel, I think we can dive into a question which is from at zero Joe11, which is is APSC dead? And 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 wait, there is a better question that I'm gonna go hand in hand. Just the question is simply is non are non-full frame cameras worth it for prosumer? And that's Abir who is asking. So Abir, thank you for your question. Ryan, why don't you, why don't you answer that question? Because I think you're the best one to talk okay. about that. Um, yeah, guys, I mean, I, <laughs> I own three Panasonic cameras. They all have micro four thirds sensors. Um, I do professional work for some very big companies here in New Zealand, um, some very big events. Um, some events where there's not a whole lot of light either surprisingly you might be surprised by that and um i think i take some decent photos as well and all with the micro four third sensor uh so again like people we love to talk about gear us two could talk about cameras for days like i love tech we both love that kind of stuff but at the end of the day 
oh yeah like about you and your creativity and like man you can you'd be surprised some of what you can get away with with like a good lens on a gh5 um can look like shot on a cinema camera or something uh there's so much more that goes into it your lighting your composition your the movement of the camera so no APS-C is not dead and neither is micro four thirds <laughs> that is so true that is so true i mean i used to to have the gh5 so yeah that's right even if you're a pro there is no i mean i think a lot of us might be thinking oh pros only use full frame pro only use that type of camera on one dx or 5d right. mark two and I think that's that's a very big misconception for many of us. Yeah, totally. It's like actually pros literally use any camera that's going to do the job. And the pros I know are the ones who change the least their gear, exactly. which is kind of fun to see. They're like, no, I'm, I'm too busy. And, and it's a cost and it's a profit and loss co um, center for them, you yeah. know, like in the sense that it's an investment. And if you don't make back your investment, you know, it's it's not good for the business no, totally i think something that <laughs> a lot of people don't realize either on the video side of things at least is that you know a lot of cinema cameras are super 35 sensors which are aps-c size they're not even full frame size so yeah it's true well people talk about like problems like rolling shutters and that on full frame yes yeah yeah um again like, so, i have experience with a full frame but yeah yeah it's okay. The day you will have one, you will be blown away. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Damn it, he's starting that war again. <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, I think it's it's great to see that no matter what level you are at, and no matter what you're doing, whether you're pro, no matter, people shoot with anything, absolutely anything. I've seen people with one DX Mark II. The other day I pushed on Instagram, it's so funny. Like I literally walked through a really beautiful square in Paris called Place de Vendôme. Mm -hmm. And I just took a quick shot with my iPhone and Lightroom mobile. And then I just posted it in the stories and I received like two, three messages like within the first 30 seconds, like, oh, what camera did you use? And uh, was it with your 7200? Was it? <laughs> and uh, and what, what, what did you, I can't remember. There was another awesome question. And I was like, oh my God, it's only the new and they had seen me in the street. <laughs> yeah. It's literally, I pulled out my phone. I was like, oh, that's cool. I'm going to take a photo. And then, so I did a little time lapse of how I edited the photo just after because, um, yeah. And I've seen, I, I'm sure you've seen them, Ryan, too. I've seen people do crazy stuff just with their phone, even have like huge, massive uh, brand deals where they just work with phones. And I think it's it's pretty, it really shows creativity has is not limited by gear. Absolutely. I think that's like the main takeaway from from that little talk is just like do not ever let your gear like dictate. Don't ever use it as an excuse. Like the first gig that I ever got, I literally, as I said, I had a GoPro, a point and shoot Canon, not even a G7X. It's like a G16 or something. Like it's a piece of crap. And then I also had I had the Phantom 4 because I because somehow I thought it was cooler to buy a drone than a real camera <laughs> at some point. Yeah. So I had I had those things and I was shooting a music festival, low light, everything, and I still pulled it off. Uh, yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, like I'm just, gonna, I'm, I'm just gonna fly my drone into crowd. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> 
That's such a great idea, Ryan. Please don't take the mushrooms before you go into the crowd. <laughs> okay, so the night camera on Instagram is asking right now, what program do you edit with and which one would you recommend to people with no experience? Because a lot of you guys listening might be just into photography and never even press the red button that says rec on your mm -hmm. camera. And the day you do it, you're like, oh my God, what is happening? This is completely different. And then the moment you bring it into your computer, you're like, this looks like crap. How do I make it look cool? Um, what's your take on that? How did you, yeah, what do you recommend to people if they want to start editing videos? Yeah, so I guess my personal journey was I started with GoPro Studio, uh, which was like, mm -hmm. and actually you can use GoPro Studio to edit non-GoPro footage as well. And it's like, Yeah, I think it's called Quick. Yeah, I think they, yeah, I think you're right. They changed the name, but it was super intuitive and really easy, you know, nothing fancy, just cuts and basic fade transitions. And, did you, did you do the festival video with that? I think I did. Yeah, I think I did. That's awesome. That's awesome, guys. Yeah. See, it doesn't matter what program you use either. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I did. And then soon after, um, I got Premiere Pro and haven't looked back. Okay. Yeah. So you're a Premiere Pro guy. Are you on Mac or PC? PC. Oh, that's yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So you never ever considered Final Cut anyways? No, no I haven't. No. Okay. So I'm going to give my take on that because I've been uh, shooting with the, how do you call that? No, not shooting. I'm, I'm a Mac user right now. And so I've been, I grabbed a version of Final Cut Pro yeah. and I've been really impressed by it. And I remember there was an old version of Final Cut uh, 9, I think, that my videographer friends who were doing like real videography work and editing, they were like, oh, we'd never change because they removed so many tools in the new ones. But the new ones looked a lot more ergonomics, a bit like iMovie. That's why I recommend it to people. It's super simple to use. And now they, in the 10, the latest version of the 10, there are all the tools you can find in Premiere. I mean, most of them are in there and there is like way more than enough to create like absolutely awesome and cinematic videos too. Uh, and it's going to be super simple to edit with yeah. it. Also the export is just so fast, man. I, I just feel so bad for you from your people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I, if I did ever switch to Mac, which I'm actually considering doing, I'd definitely probably take the, take the dive and try to migrate to final cut, but we'll see. But I don't know if that would make sense in this, uh, because I think if you get good with Premiere, you can be really fast too. Yeah. The only thing is like exports and maybe rendering is slower from what I've seen. Yeah, yeah you just have to get a beast of a computer. Yeah, uh, you, you remember when we both started uh, vlogging at the beginning. So I had the, my daily vlog in New York, yeah. <laughs> Ryan commented. And I was commenting back on his. It's like, little support. Yay, new episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, it was so cute. Uh, um, and I remember one day I tried Premiere. And I was like, oh my god, the, the same edit just took me seven hours instead of like three. I'm like, I'm never touching that thing again. <laughs> so, But the learning cur curve is, uh, is a bit steeper, that's for sure. One thing I would say to people is just like, pick one and then you know, give it a few months, like to stick with it and try to become proficient before you jump to another one. That's definitely something. 
Yeah, because the learning curves are as steep, and then you're losing too much time exactly. if if you go back and yeah. forth. That's that's a very good point. It's a good point. Uh, Ryan, I know you you've got a meeting very soon. Is that for a new client? Oh no, it's for it's for my PhD. Oh yeah, because that, guys, so that 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 is a crazy thing. Ryan, are, do you feel like because you went for your PhD in like biomedical science and now you're doing videography, do you, which one do you want to pick after? I mean, it's pretty. It's a hard choice, and like it's probably too early to say. I, like as we were talking about earlier, it'd be cool to be able to to join the two. But I think when I'm done, I'll probably take some time off of science to um, to just go explore uh, filmmaking a bit more. Nice. Do you want to ramp up your production company or? Um, yeah, eventually, definitely want to. Um, hopefully, like expand it a little bit uh, and get more into documentary filmmaking, which is kind of um, becoming a, a big passion of mine as well. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. Have you watched the Gino Camp 4 Collective? Yes. Oh, God, dude, like, I this is my ultimate whatever I want to see, like beautiful action epicness. I just watched their reel again. And it's to anyone listening who don't know them, it's basically a production company run by, um, I think Jimmy Chin is inside. Yeah. Uh, there is, what's his name? I keep forgetting his name. Uh, can you help me? Is it Renan Osterk? Yeah, there's Renan also, and there are like maybe one or two others, yeah. but very good photographer, videographer, but mainly athletes, yeah. like they're next level athletes, like the top 1% of the world. But at the same time of being top 1%, they are also uh, amazing photographers and video creators in general. Yeah. And so they have that ad agency that produces crazy videos for people. And I just, just Google Camp for Collective Real and look at their look at their reel because it's it's just incredible. It's like you're gonna shoot a commercial, but the commercial is gonna be so epic because they're doing the real adventures and it's yeah. not just the car driving on the side of the road in a in the backyard in LA. You know, it's <laughs> it's already the the car in the middle of Nepal in the middle of nowhere for three weeks shoot with no access to any. Anyway, I don't know. Yeah, it's I, I really want to meet those guys. Did you know? Uh, and I'm speaking too much, but uh, did you know I almost became a model for one of their commercial in Utah? No. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know how that happened. I can't remember. Oh, there was they were calling for casting or something, and I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna apply because I really want to see how they shoot. Yeah. And um, and so as a male model for some sports stuff, and I first it was for skiing. And it didn't happen. Then they contacted me again for another one. And I was like, oh, man, that is so cool. I really want to do that. Never, it, it didn't end up happening. But I, my, my only goal was to go there and see how they were shooting their stuff. Yeah, I mean, I would do it for that as well. <laughs> Those guys. I know. I was like, guys, I'm just going to follow you and watch. <laughs> That's really cool. Okay, Ryan, where can people find you on social media? On the social medias, you guys can find me on YouTube at The Path Less Traveled and on Instagram at TPL Traveled. Um, yeah, that's basically me. Which stands for The Path Less Traveled. That's right, yeah. 
And if you're on Facebook, I'm the pathless traveled there as well. If you if you do Facebook anymore, but more and more people seem to be saying screw you Facebook. So I don't know, but that's where I am. Yeah, <laughs> Instagram's uh, is where most of the attention yeah, is. Totally. At least for our generation, older generation is on Facebook now. Yeah. Ryan, do you have a question, a request, or something you would like the audience to look at or think about today, tomorrow, for the rest of their lives? Yeah, I do. Um, one thing I've been thinking a lot about lately with my internal struggle between, like, do I want to be a videographer? Do I want to be a scientist? What do I want to do? Is like, um, get to know yourself, and and you do that by having as many, you know experiences as possible that are going to push you so get to know yourself figure out what you actually want um, and stop worrying about what everyone else thinks and once you find this confidence in your own beliefs and and you're secure in your own beliefs you you won't care about what anyone else thinks about what you do with your life that is awesome that is really good tip and i feel like It's funny, from the moment I started vlogging, Ryan, to now, I feel like there's been a huge progress, not in terms of YouTube or video or audience or whatever, but more internally yeah. in terms of what do I want to do? And, and it's becoming more and more crystal clear, which is absolutely an awesome feeling. And I wish everyone can get there. And I know Trina, my wife, is trying to figure that out right now. And it is difficult. So if any of you guys out there is struggling with not knowing exactly what you want to do or you actually like something but you don't know if you want to do it fully my recommendation is be patient take some time and just go experiment like you said ryan exactly. like life is long enough i mean you were in oil and gas like me before then you start deciding to do a phd and now you realize <laughs> your calling might be in videography like how random crazy. is that it's great life is so crazy Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people will not. I just want to warn you guys. A lot of people are not going to understand you. They're going to be super confused and mainly the people the closest to you. I don't know about you, Ryan. Um, I've, you know, actually, I've been super lucky to have parents that just like trust me and, and know that, you know, they just they really trust me and they just support me in whatever I do. But I know exactly what you mean and that. Um, you know, friends and family, especially are going to be like, you're going to do what? Like, why would you, why would you do that? Like, I, that's ridiculous. And why would you do that? You, you, you're on path to make a, have another job with awesome yeah. money and a status. <laughs> you're going to get, get a house, you know, that whole story. Yeah. I just don't want that, which is, which is fine too. Yeah. So guys just know like, yeah, as Pierre said, like there's going to be, there's going to be friction. Um, and that's good. Like, I mean, if there was no friction, it, it might not be worth doing, but you know, because you're kind of going against the grain, there's going to be people who are going to be like, not understanding because they didn't have the courage to do it themselves or, you know, they, they're insecure basically, or they're jealous that you actually have the balls to do something. So, um, just know that there's other people out there that are like you, like Pierre and I, and, um, Yeah, reach out if you need someone to talk to. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I, I just had an uh, analogy in my head. Imagine the river that's splitting in two, mm. you know, but the section you want to take is actually slightly higher than where you are, like upstream. Yeah. So what are you going to have to do? You're going to have to 
like swim super hard upstream for a little bit against the current until you reach that little junction where you can actually take the current again and you're going to be with a different type of fishes yeah. and there you're going to just follow the current and you're going to feel like oh, this is the best water ever or the best current ever versus the other one that wasn't yours where you were just fighting yeah so there's a there's always a a dip where it goes down and then you're good just gotta <laughs> go through yeah, it that's right. everyone has to awesome uh ryan awesome that was really good conversation i'm gonna let you go so you can uh, uh save uh, the biomedical ward <laughs> <laughs> awesome man thanks so much for don't forget me. to film it oh, God, yeah right <laughs> Sneak a camera in. all right <laughs> exactly all right man thanks a lot You're welcome. Thank you, Ryan. Everyone, go check out Ryan on Instagram at uh, TPLT Traveled. And also, Ryan Wilkes. I think if you just Google him, you'll find him. So, guys, if you got any value out of that episode, please, please, please share it with your friends, your family, your dog, your cat, everyone around you. This is how we're growing the podcast super organically and we're building it together. Remember, I'm still waiting for you guys to send me the question on the anchor.fm app. Please record a voice message and send it to me. I want to hear what you guys have to say and I want to plug you in the next episode. With that being said, guys, I hope you're having an amazing time. I want to thank again Ryan for doing this, for taking the time to be on the podcast. Go check out his work. It's really cool what he's doing. And with no further ado, guys, I'm going to let you go. Maybe go listen to the next episode or... Or remember, get out there, go shoot, try something different, try something new, and I will see you in the next episode. Bye-bye.